pray before I read the Bible. <coughs> Father, we just sang a song about how you love us because the Bible tells us that. And so we pray you will help us to learn from the Bible more about your love. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. Then he said, Throw it to the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. And so he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made the man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people. And he shall be your mouth. And you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Moses went back to Jericho, his father-in-law, uh, to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, 
Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his son, sons and put them on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And Moses said to Egypt, uh, and the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, Behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the foot of at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord which he had sent him to speak, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. And then Moses went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had given to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. We'll stop there. Uh, the children uh, are going to uh, head out and we're going to be taking up the story in a moment uh, as uh, we are uh, in uh, church. So, uh, just a moment and uh, we'll be resuming. Good, well, let me start with a question. Is God hard or soft? Hard or soft, right. Uh, is, he, is he angry? Uh, does he like beating people? Or, or does he like being soft? And, uh, <laughs> so even children feel safe with He is both. Abigail, that is brilliant. Because see, sometimes it's really hard when you expect that one question has got one answer. Actually, sometimes the question has two answers. He is both. So we're going to learn tonight 
that you can be weak with God. You don't need to be frightened. But we will also learn tonight that you cannot disobey God. Those two things. So the first thing we learn is that you can be weak with God. God gives Moses a job to do in chapter 3, verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses says, I am not able. And God says, I tell you my name. You say, I am not. My name is I am. That actually says two great things about God. First, that he is present, like I'm with you. And second, that he is powerful. I am able to do this. And so, Moses, you would say, right, at the end of chapter 3, fine, he knows God, God's going to be on his side, off he goes. Not quite. Chapter 4, verse 1, after saying, I am not able, he says, they will not listen. Now, cut Moses some slack. He's got a reason for saying that. Because remember, when in chapter 2, he went to God's people, they didn't want to know him. So you can understand that he's not sure they'll listen this time. And God gives him three signs. Now, this is not like James Bond. You know James Bond films? Who likes James Bond films? <laughs> ah, now, what about James Bond? Have you, do you have James Bond in Iran? You do, right. James Bond. Um, there's a man called Q. And he gives James Bond fantastic gadgets at the start of a mission uh, that will save his life later on in the story. Now, this isn't God doing three signs, a kind of cue job on Moses so he can do some good things too. Now, it's different because this is not just to show Moses, uh, uh, to show people how clever he is. This is to show that God is with Moses. When he does these things, they are all, if you like, little signs of judgment that God will do through Moses to show people the extent of his might and power. And so there are these three miracles. Now, let me say, when it comes to miracles, there are only four times in the Bible where you get miracles uh, in this kind of way. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, and the Apostles. So the miracles in the Bible aren't happening all the time, every day to everyone. They just have these four specific stages. When God is showing something new about himself, and he wants to show that the messenger comes from him. So the miracles are there to say, God is with this person. Which is why you and I will not be doing this kind of miracle. Yeah, God will answer our prayers, that's true. But in terms of big uh, effect miracles, this will not be 
what we do because we have no new revelation to give about God. And so therefore, if we are going to talk miracles, we must point back to these miracles. And the biggest miracle in the Bible is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we can say, here is a miracle for you to believe. But we won't be doing any ourselves. And so Moses has those miracles to do. And all the miracles are there to show that these men come from God. So they will listen. And you think, well, that means that Moses now will go do his miracles. He's happy now, finally, to go. Not quite. Because if you look at chapter 4, verse 10, he says, but I just can't speak. Not very good at it. I'm not a Verona. Uh, able to uh, uh, speak non-stop uh, and uh, at high volume. But what does God say? Again, you might think, Moses, come on. But again, he is helping him. He is a weak man, and God helps. He says, look, who made the mouth? I am the one who made you, and I made you just right. And there is, you are perfectly able to do this job that I've asked you to do. There is no... Uh, <clears throat> uh, difficulty that you have that I cannot help you overcome I will be with you to help you to speak ah says Moses that's fine I'll, I'll go now not quite because he then says in verse 13 but could you send someone else and again you think Moses. But God says, no, I'll help you with that too. I know you are weak, and I will give you your brother. In fact, your brother's coming already. He's on his way. God had already fixed up a partner for Moses. And God does that wonderfully when we are weak. He normally puts us with someone who is strong in that area. So, for example, I'm, I'm not good at uh, relating to people. Uh, Rob is. So, God brought Rob to our church uh, to uh, fix that uh, big uh, deficiency. Uh, and God uses people. When we go out on the streets, uh, we might have someone who's very talkative with someone who's a bit more quiet, just to pair up and to uh, uh, help people with each other and our strengths and our weaknesses. And it is alright to be weak. It is alright to be weak because we can talk to God about our weakness. And as long as you know that you're weak and saying, God, please help me, you can be weak with God and he will help but I'll tell you what he won't do. You can be weak with God, but you cannot be disobedient with God. 
Moses, uh, he is weak, he refuses, he refuses, he refuses. And there's a point in which God gets angry with him in verse 14, but he still does not destroy him. He helps him. But now, in verse 24, he tries to kill him. Kill him. Moses. Moses, the one who is useful to God. Moses is the only one that God has said, get them out of Egypt. Moses is the one person who's going to make it all happen. Yes, there is Aaron. Aaron will be a helper, but he won't be a substitute. It has to be Moses. Aaron will be there as well, but Moses one is going to be like God to in verse 16. Moses is right in the middle of this big plan of God. And yet, now, God is going to kill him. Now, we're not entirely sure whether it's killing Moses or his son, but I think it's Moses because his son doesn't get mentioned until verse 25. And when he says bridegroom of blood, it means really bridegroom of death, the bridegroom who nearly died. So it all points to Moses, the one who is specially in the middle of God's plan, and yet God is now in verse 24, seeking to put him to death. What do we learn from that? Isn't it true that what we are learning from this is that uh, it just doesn't matter how useful you are to God, if you disobey him, you will die. And Moses is willfully disobeying God because he should have had his son circumcised. And he knew that. And clearly he knew that because his wife knew that. She knew what to do, so Moses must have told her this is something we ought to do, but they hadn't done it. And so therefore it's no surprise that this would happen. Why? Because... God has told Moses to go and that God would bring his judgment on the uncircumcised Egyptians. And so if Moses' son is uncircumcised, in other words, if Moses is going to be himself living like an Egyptian, then he will suffer the fate of those who God will judge. We might be useful to God, but if we disobey God, we will suffer the same punishment as the disobedient. That's what happened to the children of Israel. They found out that to be true. They were wonderfully privileged. God drew them out of Egypt. He took them out of slavery. But yet most of them died after that because they disobeyed. You can have a highly privileged position with God, be useful to him, and yet end up under his judgment if we don't 
listen to what he says. That's why Jesus, the first thing the devil tried to do, was to tempt him because however privileged he might be with God, there is no escape for even the most favoured person if we disobey. And Moses was learning out that, uh, for him, learning that for himself. He was disobedient, but he was going to die. And it doesn't matter however useful you are, you will die if you disobey what God says. But you also see, don't you, that God loves him. And you can see that because, well, he nearly dies. He doesn't die. There is still time to make a change. And his wife quickly makes that change to save his life. It is uh, wonderful, isn't it? Moses is one of the most powerful prophets in the Old Testament, and yet his life is saved twice by women by uh, Pharaoh's daughter uh, in chapter 2 and now by his wife in chapter 4. And so it is a mark of God's love that he will even bring us nearly to the point of death in his discipline of us so that we can be different and change. And that's what uh, happens with Moses as well. What can we learn from all of that? Well, first, maybe you're someone who's not a Christian, you've not been to church that much maybe, and you're thinking about things with fresh eyes, a new start. And you say, well, it would really help me to take God seriously if I could see God doing something really big. If I could only see a miracle the way these guys did in the Bible, well, maybe I'd be able to uh, follow God and take him seriously too. The answer is, that's good. You want a miracle? Terrific. But go to the right place if you want to see one. Don't expect God to do great things here and now if he has already done them and we can find out what they are in the Bible and in that sense watch God at work remember miracles are there primarily to show us that this person comes straight from God and God could not have done more to show us that Jesus stands out in our world today. In the history of our world today, Jesus massively stands out as the one who has come from God because of all the different things he did to help you to see that he is God. If you want miracles, go look at him and then follow him. Because that's what the miracles are there to help us to do. But secondly, it may be that you've been to church lots. And it may be that actually you've been very useful in the churches you've been to. Maybe you've even sung in the choir. Maybe you've even had an office. Maybe 
You've even been a pastor. Don't know. You might be listening to one on tape uh, in that position. But you know the lesson from this part of the Bible for us tonight? It is that we need to be careful that because we are useful to God that we might still come under his judgment if we are disobedient towards him. So I might be a pastor that uh, tries to be useful to God but if at home I neglect my wife uh, and uh, neglect my family then my usefulness to God doesn't count. My disobedience to God is serious. And I think when we're church people, we need to understand, yes, we might be useful, but let's never cross the line. It's okay to be weak with this God, never to be disobedient. And then thirdly, that is the theme that would be really helpful for us to remember tonight. That is that you can be weak with this God. It is possible that we might uh, think, uh, I am not impressive. When it comes to telling other people about Jesus, I can see that's an important thing to do. After all, how on earth will people find out about Jesus unless I tell them? It's got to come out of my mouth, but I'm just so bad with my mouth. I can't speak. I'm not fluent. I can imagine other people doing it where I can't do it properly myself. And that's true for us, isn't it? We go out on the doors uh, twice a week, some of us more, and we find ourselves talking to people and we think, gosh, what will we say if they ask us hard questions? And we don't think we'll have the answers. But isn't it reassuring for us that the most significant prophet in the Bible, to whom the first five books of the Bible are attributed, says that he's the worst speaker of all. And it is just wonderful, isn't it? If you feel that you're not that good, isn't it just a, an encouragement to us to know that uh, Moses, uh, the great man, really might have been even worse. And yet, this God is someone you can go to in your weakness. Someone who you can ask for help. Someone who will be the one who will make your mouth work, even when you don't think it will. Uh, the God who, to whom we can go with our weakness to find his strength and his help. Well, that's uh, the God who comes to Moses to help him. The same God still in our world today with weak people like us. That's a great encouragement, I think. Let's stop there. Let's uh, pray individually and quietly.
And after a minute, uh, I'll pray as we finish, and we'll take questions and answer other comments at that point. Let's first have a quiet time when we talk to God ourselves, one to one, and uh, do that in the silence of your own heart. But let me pray. Father, we do want to thank you that you are the God who allows weak people to come and talk to you. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that uh, you would please give us that freedom to seek your help, especially when it comes to uh, speaking about you to others and we feel that we are inadequate. But please, Father, would you help us not to, uh, because we might be useful to you, help us, please, not to think that we might therefore uh, live like those who do not know you. Please help us to see that uh, if we are to uh, live with weakness, uh, you are gracious. But if we live in defiant disobedience, uh, that we might uh, risk your rage. And please, Father, would you help us to be wise in the light of these things and to live instead of disobedience, to live instead for the honour and glory of your name. Amen. Amen.